Hi, you are listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. I, I was really wrestling with this passage pretty much for the last few days, and I decided to preach on it because I think there's so much in it. And I think if I know our audience, for the most part, we all kind of grew up in a Slavic, uh, Slavic uh, Russian American background, and uh, I think there's a lot of us that maybe. You, maybe you, that's not your background. Maybe you're Moldovian or Moldovian would still be Slavic. Uh, <laughs> or um, Bulgarian or you're American. Uh, regardless what background you are from, I think if you spend quite a bit of time in church, you pick up some ideas along the ways that maybe are not exactly biblical, but just people keep on repeating them. Um, recently, uh, I don't know how recent this was. I think it was recent. Um, I woke up in the morning and uh, at my house, if you've been at my house before, you know that we don't have any food ever. Um, and my roommate always buys food and I always eat his food. Uh, <laughs> but I woke up in the morning and I was like, you know, I'm going to do my favorite meal, uh, which is cereal. <laughs> so uh, I, I pour the cereal because that's what you do. You pour the cereal first and then you pour the milk, okay, just for the record. Uh, <laughs> Um, pour the cereal and then realize that I have like this much milk. It's one thing, it's one thing when you barely have, uh, when you have milk that is, is bad, at least, okay, all of it is, is, is bad. So you're like, okay, I gotta go get milk. But when you have this much, you're like, man, that's just enough to get me started. <laughs> but then you can't really continue. So I had this brilliant idea of like taking that little milk and mixing it with water. <laughs> Um, let me tell you how it tasted. It tasted like milky water. <laughs> uh, it did not taste good at all. I never realized how almost like repugnant it was. It was just bad. Um, needless to say, I didn't really, you know, but this is what happens when you take something that was really good and you dilute it, right? When you take something that was, <laughs> you know what, I'm going with this, don't you? Uh, <laughs> right? Like, you, you take something that was so, there's so much flavor in there. Milk does that, okay? Don't, it has flavor, okay? And it has all these nutri- uh, nutrients, and then you mix it with a lot of water, and it just becomes water, and it no longer tastes the same. Um, I, you guys know the story, but like when I had this Dodge Neon from 1996, it was awesome, um, and it, it started to kind of overheat, so I decided that I'm going to go get, you know, the coolant. Some of you guys know the story. And I ran to the gas station. I grabbed the first bottle of coolant that I could lay my hands on. Uh, and I poured it in. Turns out that was a uh, windshield uh, cleaner. Um, this was, this was, it, now see, like, it's, it still had chemicals in there. It's just it had a lot more water than he had, you know, anything else. Um, so it was during the winter, so he actually cracked the engine. So I took what was a small problem and made it into a massive problem uh, because that car was pretty much useless because, I mean, it was too cheap to actually fix. You know what I'm talking about, right? And it's like doing all that labor to, to change the engine. So I've taken something that was a small problem and made it a huge problem by what? By taking a, a diluted substance, where, a substance that doesn't belong in there, right? It was too much water in there. 
Um, now, I don't even know if soap would work, make the car work, but you get my point. The point is I, po I poured the wrong chemical inside of my engine, and that's the result. And I think a lot of times when it comes to our Christian faith, we pick up along the way a lot of ideas that are not biblical by any means. And the reason we do that is because uh, a lot of times in our small group, and I know we do this a lot, so I, I've done this, the same thing. We don't say things the Bible says. We say things like, ah, oh, I heard the preacher say this. <laughs> It's not Paul or, like, or me, because I've done it so many times, too, where I'm like, I heard, no, there's, 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 it could be nothing wrong with you saying that. The problem is that's secondhand advice, too, right? We need to measure everything up to the Bible, not to, I heard a preacher, right? We need to say, okay, what does the Bible actually say? Is this what the Bible actually says? Because it's so easy, and I'll, I'll point to you how easy it is to dilute the gospel. And when you dilute the gospel, it no longer has the power that it has. When you start to mix the, uh, the gospel with, oh, you just have to be relevant, you know? You just have to mix it with culture. It's no longer the gospel. Oh, no, we have to have to mix it with, you know, making money. So it's, it's no longer the gospel. The prosperity gospel is no longer the gospel. If you mix the gospel with anything, it's no longer the gospel. The gospel is the same, be it here in the U.S. or overseas. So if it, if it only works for the U.S., then that's a problem. Because the gospel transcends cultures, it transcends times, it transcends people, and all those things. And the moment we start to dilute it, be it through being relevant and being, you know, people, we want to make church cool, you know. Or on the other hand, and the reason that I mentioned that at the beginning is we can give into these, this, so, so on one hand, it's kind of the idea of lasciviousness where we take the gospel and we're like, oh, bro, Jesus loves you. Do whatever you want to do because God loves you. And like, it's all about love and love. God loves everybody, right? And you can't really argue with that because to a certain extent, you understand that God is love, but he's also just. He's also so many other attributes, right? He's also holy. He's righteous, you know, he's all those things, not just love, okay? So, so when we go this direction, we're in the other direction. We go with kind of like the religious mindset that a lot of us grew up with, and it's tradition and religion. But you see, it's not like, because that's, that's not how my parents have done it. That's not how my church does it. That's how, how my pastor does it. Uh, it it's interesting. Uh, this is a, kind of a side note, but do you remember when Moses... They left the, the kind of like the Egypt or Egypt, they left Egypt. And then you remember when the, they built an idol? What, what kind of idol was it? What, what, what animal was that? It was a cow, right? And you think, okay, why did they build a God, supposedly a God? It was an idol, right? Like, why did they make it the God, the idea that they had of God in a form of a cow? You know why? Because that's what they've seen in Egypt, they saw people in Egypt worshiping cows and they took that with them and they thought of God as being this, what they've seen and their tradition and the culture and the pagan culture they were part of. So a lot of times, if you come here from Russia or if you just grew up in a very kind of fundamental Christian sort of, you know, the, again, there's, I'm not bashing on specific churches, but we pick up ideas along the way. They're not, they're not biblical they're just tradition, they're their culture, they're just straight up law. 
And I think a lot of times we, we start to pull from the Old Testament, New Testament, we, we mix it together, but you do understand when Jesus came. So if, if this is the Old Testament, uh, and then this is the New Testament, Jesus stands right in the middle and he came and he fulfilled this law and now we live by this new covenant that we have in Jesus. So for us to borrow ideas from the Old Testament, that's very problematic because you are saying that Jesus' sacrifice is not enough. And this is what we come to, I'm, I'm trying to set this up for Galatians 5, this is what we come to. Galatians is, is um, a, a letter that was written to the church of Galatians, right? Like, and they started out good. They embraced Jesus. But along the, the line, they, they start to, to, to have these people that come in, they're religious zealots. They came in like, no, you see, you need to follow Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. And if you don't know what that is, go look it up. Um, because I am not about to explain what that is. <laughs> oh, don't look it up. Now that I think about it, don't look it up. But... <laughs> To be very clear, <laughs> to be very clear, circumcision was a, a thing of the old covenant. Okay, we'll get back on track here really quick. Um, circumcision was a, a, a mark of the old covenant. So now these people are coming in like, oh no, you see, you, you, uh, you, 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 it's okay if you follow Jesus, but you also have to do this and this and this and this. And they're starting to bring, and, and, and Apostle Paul is writing to Galatians and says, who has bewitched you? Having started in grace, are you going back now to the works of the law? Do you not understand that when you do that, you place yourself under the yoke of slavery? Do you not understand the moment you go back to your old ways, be it tradition or lasciviousness? Any, because legalism and tradition, all these, these are the works of what the Bible calls it, the works of the flesh. It's men's attempt to reach God, right? And they're usually rooted either in fear or pride. So think of religious kind of spirit where, where we do it because, well, my dad told me and like, I better shape up and I better attend church because if I don't, then I'm gonna get it. So like, so, so you have this, you do because of, of the fear of man. So you, like, well, I, I, my, my reputation is important. Well, your relationship with Christ is even more important. So a lot of the religious things that we do is because of fear of man. But when it comes to this idea of lasciviousness where, where people just kind of like take grace and they run with it and they don't understand the cost of grace and they start to sin because like, oh, Jesus loves me, so I don't really care. This is more rooted in kind of like in pride. I can't do whatever I want to do because I'm in charge of my life. And, and, and Jesus is an add-on. And both, both of those extremes are works of the flesh. And one of them, they're trying to attempt to kind of bribe God by saying, if I can just be really good, then you can just love me. You know? And on the other hand, it's like, well, as long as I get saved, I really don't care what you think. So both of those positions are, are very wrong and rotten. We need to stand in Jesus. And so that's where he starts, says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and you don't get up tied again in the slavery of the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Think about what he's saying here. 
If, you, if you're going back to your religious way of doing things, Christ is no benefit to you. Okay? He goes on to say, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor by, with God by being circumcised, you must obey every single regulation in the law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right in the, uh, with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. That is crazy. What he's saying here is that if you th are thinking that you can be perfect by yourself, then you have no place with Christ. Think of the seriousness of this. He says, you've been cut off from Christ. Well, why does that matter? That matters because God is just and he will, he will, he will, bear, he will get a payment for your sin one way or another. And we all know that everyone has sinned. And because of that, now everyone is destined for hell, where everyone is destined for, you know, for the punishment of that sin, except for those in Christ. For those in Christ, we are fully justified because God punished Jesus for you and for me. In a sense, you were, you know, Apostle Paul says that I was crucified with Christ. So when Jesus died on the cross, if you are fully in Christ, then that means that your sin, because you're in Christ, was punished at the cross. So, so I know that this, some of you might be, well, duh, I've known this, but I think we need to get to some very basic things about the, our faith, okay? And I want to explain kind of how salvation works because I see a lot of confusion, Okay, so the, the process of salvation, something that happens right away, when you decided to be born again, when you decided to follow after Christ, two things happen. One of them, God fully justified you because if you stepped in Christ, that is like you stepping in Christ's body and being crucified with Christ and there's no longer a payment that you need to pay. But you also have to live with him, right? So, so just because you died in him, so, so you have to die to the old way, the, the way of doing things, the, the, the fleshly way or the lascivious way and the religious way and say, I'm going to be in Christ and I'm going to die with Christ, be crucified with Christ and live with him. So when you've done that, you know, you, salvation, one of them is being justified instantly because you're in Christ. And the second thing, this another theological word that we use is regeneration. This is another act of God where God comes and he says, I will change you. I will give you a heart that can feel, no longer a heart that is of stone. And every single time you hear my word, your heart will start to, you know, kind of like convulse inside and will start to respond to me. Up until now, you were stealing and you, you didn't care. You, you went up against people and you were fighting, punching people in the face and you, it didn't bother you. But now everything that you do, you, you, you understand that, okay, I no longer live for myself. I have to go and apologize and I have to go repent. And I, I, I'm no longer the old person that I used to be. That is an act of God that God comes inside and he changes you and now you are sensitive to his word. You are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You, that's a, he regenerates you. I, I don't know how else I can put it. Think of, think of a worm that you cut in half and then he regenerates another half of the body, right? Like, but this is even more complicated where God completely changes you around and he changes even like your spiritual DNA. 
So you, you, when you believe in Christ, you are justified. So you're no longer, you don't no longer have to pay for that sin because you're in Christ. And you, the second thing is that the God has changed you. And because he has changed you, you're no longer, you know, no, of course, you're still going to be dealing with some temptation, but you will have your deepest desire will no longer be to run towards sin, but to, to run towards Christ. Okay. So, so that is what happens when you get saved. But once that's done, that's not all of it. There's another process called now that it starts the process of sanctification. Now, this is another big word and I'm not trying to explain, but we see it throughout the Old Testament. It says, sanctify yourself. Three, take three days off and be by yourself and pray. Okay, so we see this word sanctified a lot in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Being sanctified is to be removed and to be set for a specific reason towards God. Being sanctified is to be more and more like him daily by separating yourself and walking with the Holy Spirit. This is a lifelong process. So if, if justification was right away, and regeneration, God has changed your heart, and now you care about the things of God, not of the things of the world. Sanctification, breaking the old nature and embracing the new, meaning that like setting yourself apart constantly, daily, that might take the rest of your life, and you probably will. That is kind of like the, the processes that we're talking about here. And I know it's kind of a lot of theological things. Just All you have to remember is that when you believed on Christ, you became one with him. So you no longer have to pay for your sin because you are in him, okay? The second thing is he changes your, your desire. So now you're no longer driven by how much I can sin, but now you wanna please him instead, okay? And the last thing is that you gotta go through this process where God's gonna break you and you're constantly gonna set yourself apart to, to, to walk with him daily. And that's the process of sanctification. And Apostle Paul says, you know, you were saved to be free, to walk in freedom. Why would you submit yourself back unto yoke of slavery? Yoke is the thing that they put on, 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 on horses and oxes, right? To kind of pull a load. Why would you pull yourself underneath that? It's interesting that if you ever spend any time with kids, um, they like to make a mess, uh, quite literally. Uh, but I guess... It's not as bad. We as adults make mess of our lives. They make messes of just, you know, rooms. So it's okay. Um, they're not as bad as we are. Um, but, like, <laughs> but like, it's funny because they make a mess and then you're like, you need to clean that up. And like, but it wasn't me. Like, it was my brother. Like, it used to, and like, they always make these excuses. And, and, and I suggest if you ever have to deal with a kid like that, don't tell him to do it because it, to him it, it seems like slavery. It seems like, it seems like, okay, he's putting, but if you say, hey, let's see how fast can we get this cleaned up? You'll see how they'll join in like, oh, let's do this. And it's like, it's weird because you're still accomplishing the same goal. But what has changed? What has changed? One is in freedom. The other one is under the yoke of slavery. And one of them, he's going to walk He's going to walk and he's going to barely like, oh, I got to put this back. And he's going to complain about it and you'll never get it done. Like you'll barely get it done, right? You'll barely get it done. But the moment you make it an interesting thing where he he understands he's free to say yes or no, then automatically he wants to be part of that. And when we look at the, the way Christianity works, 
A lot of us grew up with this idea that God and our parents said, go clean up your room, clean up your mess, clean up your life. And you're like, that sounds like a lot of work because you've messed it up pretty badly, right? But God's saying, hey, no, 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 let me, I'm partnering you up with you on this. And the other thing is, is in freedom. Uh, I love this quote by William Booth, which is the uh, Salvation Army uh, founder. He says this, this amazing thing. He says, I consider the chief danger which confronts this coming century, which means us, um, will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. If I, I can't find, I can't find a quote that describes our present generation any better than this. So I hope that we become a people that we can say that we have a faith that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay, that, that we have a Christ-centered Christianity. It's not oh, me-centered. It's not what I can get out of this, but how can I exalt Christ in all of this, right? I hope that we are seeking repentance which is followed by forgiveness, not, not just seeking forgiveness without repentance, without turning around from our sin. I hope that we are a people that we are told that the, the way we form our relationships and government structures, and what I'm saying is our politics with God and not without God. I don't know if you've been watching the, the news lately, but I think you are the next people who will be running our, our cities and our uh, hospitals and our businesses. And you are the next generation that is going to run all of this. And either we're going to have politics without God and we see how well they're doing. Or we're going to make God the center of all of our relationships, all of our structures, all of our government, you know, in general. That is what we need to get back to. And finally, that we would start preaching he heaven and preaching and also warning about the, 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 the dangers of hell. This, oh, God loves everybody and everyone in heaven is just an amazing place. And, and there's some books that are out there that I'm just like cringeworthy where you guys know like the, the kid that went to heaven and then it turned out all to be a hoax and a lie and they had to pull it off the shelves. Um, good thing we found out and we're still alive. But what if somebody that died and they, they put their hope in that, in that book? We need to talk about the truth of Christianity. Every single time we dilute it, it loses its power. It loses its function. Not only that, but it destroys. Just like that windshield wiper cleaner, well, windshield cleaner cracked my engine. We've taken what was a small problem. There's nothing worse than bad theology. There's nothing worse than a, a person who thinks they're saved, but they aren't. A person who claims to know Jesus, but their life doesn't show it. There's nothing worse than that. So I, I hope we change things around. So I love this passage that, you know, he, he, he goes on to say that, uh, three, I'll say it again, if you are trying to find favor uh, with God by being circumcised, you must, must obey every single regulation of the law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit, but we who live by the Spirit, but we who live by the Spirit, eagerly await or wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has circumcised 
um, God has circumcised or be, be uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? If certain, it certainly wasn't God, it isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. These false teachings is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing these false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one will be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision will mutilate themselves. I think all the guys in the house like, stop with the circumcision stuff. <laughs> but what he's saying is, he's saying is, okay, if you're going to do that, why don't you get rid of the whole thing? I mean, he's saying like, mutilate your, your, your genitals. If you're going to do that, I mean, that's some, some bold language. But it's the Bible, so, and you all, you get a, like, stop pretending, like you watch Hollywood movies, so. Um, so he goes on to say, Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my, b- my brothers and sisters. But you don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, you use your freedom to serve one another in love. So, so he, he, he completely bashed this whole crowd. They're trying to, to build their faith with Christ on religion and law and circumcision. And then he's switching over and he says, but you also cannot take freedom and start to, to kind of indulge in your own kind of like sin. He, he, he says, for the... Um, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't li- use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. He's encouraging us to use our time here not to indulge ourselves in how much we can, how close we can get to the uh, falling away, but to serve one another in Christ. What he's saying here is we need to have politics with God involved. The way we address one another, the way we structure our services and our government and our businesses should be with God and with people deciding that, hey, you know what? I want to serve you and I want to be here for you because he goes on to say 514. He says, for the law, for the law can be summoned in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, be aware of destroying one another. It amazes me how many times in the religious circles, they'll be so against pornography. They'll they'll be so against all these big sins, but they have no problem with gossip or devouring one another or backbiting, backbiting, right? On the other hand, like they, they, this other crowd, you know who you are, Uh, like this other crowd, right? Like you have such a problem with gossiping. Oh, they, what they say about me? Oh my, no, 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 she didn't. No, no, she didn't. Uh, but we have no problem with the lifestyle that you live. So, 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 so it's kind of like somebody's blind here. Both of them are. One of them is blind towards gossip. The other one is blind towards their like sinfulness when it comes to actual doing the acts of walking out that, that, that sin. And he's like, you can't be on one or the other, bro. You need to come up higher. And he goes on to say in 516, 
So I say, and this is where what I mentioned in the, previously, that we need a faith that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because how do we do this? It's impossible for us to do this. If we are not born again, and that is, we ha- if we don't have the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we, we are always prone to give into this crowd and to this camp or this camp, where sometimes it's a weird combination of both. I've seen people that are living in a horrible lifestyle, but they're so religious about it. It, it amazes me. And they have a problem with all the sinners in the church, but they don't see their own sin. Right? So, so, so uh, what he's saying here is that it's impossible for you to do that on your own. You need to be walking with the Holy Spirit. So he, says, uh, he goes on to say, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desire, the opposite of the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. So we have to have the Holy Spirit guide our lives every single step that we take. The Holy Spirit needs to say, if you're making a decision on your career, what you should be doing is, Holy Spirit, what do you say about this? And can you confirm it through my authorities, through my parents, through my pastors? Can you confirm that? If it comes to the issues of of getting married, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, is is this who I'm supposed to marry? Let the Holy Spirit guide every single decision of your life. Lord, uh, what kind of clothes I should put on? Maybe that's extreme, but you should still do it, right? Walk daily with everything. You will start, start to hear his voice. And the more you hear, the more you tune yourself, the more you'll be able to hear it. Amen. Well, hear him rather. I'm talking about hearing it, the voice. Holy Spirit is a person. So hearing him, hearing his voice. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Now, how do you do this practically? Like, this sounds really awesome, by the way, but like, how do I do this in practice? Uh, I, I've heard it before where it's like, okay, in me, there's always, you've heard this, like there's two dogs. One of them is the sinful nature and one of them is the Holy Spirit. The one that wins is the one that I feed, right? So, so, so if you are feeding the Holy Spirit, if you're, if you're speeding, speeding, feeding the Spirit, you will reap the benefits from the spiritual from the spiritual world, from the Holy Spirit. If you are feeding your flesh, then you're gonna pay the price of the flesh. Now, some of you, even in here, you might not be able to control exactly what thoughts come into your head, but you have control over where you physically are placing yourself. If it's in church, what are a party? Right? Like you have control over what kind of movies you watch. Nobody's putting toothpicks in your eyes and keeping you in front of an R-rated movie. No, you do that by yourself just fine. <laughs> right? Like you have a choice on what kind of music you listen to. Is what do you feed? You you have a choice. Where do you go when you get online? By the way, shameless plug, Covenant Eyes, which a lot of our leaders have it on their phones. We had it for years and years and years. Now has a uh app where it used to be filtering your your browser but now it can actually filter your screen so anything that you have on your screen if it's 
questionable, takes a picture and sends it to your accountability partner. Isn't that great? <laughs> Silas, Silas, Silas uh, he used to work here um, and he's been my accountability partner for the last, like, I would say four or five years. And it's like every single time we get our, each other's reports, you know, and I'm like, Slavik had four questionable things, you know, and I'm like, whew, right? And it's like Facebook and there's some weird name in there. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Because it's like it flags anything that could, could even be, you know, and he gets a report of everything that I do online, you know? Um, so, so you have a choice on where do you go online? You know, you might not have a choice, but then your thoughts are starting to come and the enemy is watching you constantly and he's seeing, okay, what is he tempted with? And let me cater something exactly to his, his temptation. So let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. It means the Holy Spirit lives in you. It means that you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It means that the Holy Spirit is in control of your, all of your decisions. You're asking him daily. He goes on to say, 519, says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, that results, the results are very clear, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Lord Jesus, I'm getting convicted as I'm going along. <laughs> Selfish ambitions, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have told you before, that anyone living that sort of lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is some serious charge. He says, hey, if you're camping here, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. And we need to call it for what it is. Now, maybe I'm not dealing with wild parties and all that, but like I can definitely see outbursts of anger. That should not be a thing in my life. Right? So, so <laughs> Apostle Paul is making very clear here where are the results where if you've been feeding your flesh. Now, okay, I've been talking about the wild crowd, but the religious crowd has some of these are like, for example, hostility applies here, you know, outbursts of anger, jealousy, right? Selfish ambitions, dissensions, divisions. Maybe these guys are dealing with envy and drunkenness. I think envy applies here too, or applies everywhere actually. Um, wild parties and other sins like this. So, so we, we need to come to, to grips, uh, uh, grips with, with this understanding that if we are dealing here or dealing here, this is not of God. If we've been running to our own way of trying to please God, or if I can just be good enough, you know, and you're almost trying to get God into your own debt, right? Like, so you, God is going to accept me just if I serve five hours of church and like if I serve in the worship team and then if I go and feed the homeless, then he's really going to love me then. And if I go on a mission trip and then you become a nightmare for whoever you go on a mission trip with because you haven't been dealing with your stuff here and then you go for three weeks with someone and they're like, what planet did you come from, right? And we try to ask, we're trying to win God's favor and possible says, uh-uh, uh-uh, this is not gonna work. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So that, that's the, the bad news is that if we're dealing here or here, it's problematic. But the good news is this, is that uh, 
when we look at Christianity with Christ-centered, a faith that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, that, that we, we make, then we can start seeing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. If you don't want people to judge you, practice these. If you don't want people to say, well, you're out of line, you broke the law. Um, I've yet to see people break the law by being too loving or too joyous. Or maybe Paul, I mean, he might be extreme at times, but like, <laughs> sorry. I just, like this morning, he gets out of prayer, goes up to you, I think it was Yuri, he's like, bro, I just love you, man. I just, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, can you guys like not block because I have to go to prayer? <laughs> um, I think that's maybe TMI. Yuri, don't leave. Oh, that's not him. <laughs> um, it says, there's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have, listen, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and have been crucified there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Those who have becoming Christ, those who have made themselves in Christ have nailed the things of the flesh on the cross with Christ. I think this is where, as a church, we need to come and say, hey, we need to deal with this. We need to deal with our burst of anger. I, I, I think even this week I got called out so many times and I'm like, Lord Jesus, give me grace. Because all of us, and it always happens when we, are, we, we get out of step with the Holy Spirit. I would venture to say that my biggest failures and my biggest sins were done just right after I thought, hey, I'm doing this pretty good. I think I'm, I'm doing good. Like, I, I'm doing good for this week. And then boom. Right? And I'm like, Lord, would you save me from myself? Because all the things that we try to do are either rooted in fear or pride. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, let me guide. Jesus is not your co-pilot. He is the pilot. Like I said so many times, he's probably in the trunk somewhere. But like, war in the passenger seat, right? Like, the, the Holy Spirit, obviously, is God through the Holy Spirit that is working in you. And every single time you resist the Holy Spirit, every single time, you know, somebody calls you out and you resist it. Now, there's times when they're going to call you out and they, may be, they might be wrong. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak in that moment. Say, am I wrong, Lord? Or take a moment, say the Holy Spirit. Am, and the Holy Spirit will convict you if you're wrong. There's sometimes you have to stand for some things. So allow the Holy Spirit to guide every single relationship, every single system that you're involved in every single business, every single relationship, allow the Holy Spirit to walk with you daily. But this means that you will have to crucify yourself daily on the cross. 
This means that every single time the old nature stirs you up on this side or on this side, you're kicking it down. You're like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing this right now. I am no longer under the yoke of, you know, of the law or of lasciviousness, of my own kind of like, oh, I want to have fun and do whatever I want. No, I became a servant unto Christ and I will walk with him daily. This is what we're, we're up against. Now, I remember the, 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 the story of the prodigal son where this guy goes and he becomes kind of like this crowd, right? Like where he takes the money that is supposed to, he, he's supposed to build his life with it. His, his father saved up for him to have a great life. And he takes that, he squanders all that on prostitutes in, in Las Vegas of today, right? Like he does all that. And then he comes to himself and realizes that I have to return back. This is, this is the younger son. But then you have the older son. He lives in the religious camp. And he's just like, this guy comes home, squandered all of our possessions, like gave half of what, and he, what? Like, and he's, and I think when it comes to church, there's no better illustration than that. There's the people that have been sinning their whole lives and they're like, they're, they're not even, they don't even care to a certain extent until they come to church. And then the religious crowd, like, do you know who I am here? Like, do you know how long I've been serving here? Like, do you know who I am? How dare you treat me like that? Like, how do how you take our church name and you, you just destroyed it? And then you came back. How dare you? Maybe you should celebrate the fact that you didn't have to go through the brokenness that they just went through. Maybe you should celebrate the fact that you were in the house the whole time. And you didn't have to deal with the brokenness that they had to deal with. They both had problems. But the good news is that Jesus, like the Father, who embraces both, who runs out to meet the people that are out there, and who also comes and reasons with the older son, with the, you know, the religious crowd. Says so the whole time you were in my house, Everything that I had belonged to you too. So, so regardless of what you find today, and I'm going I'm to call it to prayer in a few minutes here, whatever you find yourself in, understand that you're not meant to live here or here. You, you are meant to live in the Holy Spirit, to walk with the Holy Spirit. Because here's the last step of this process of salvation, and it's called glorification. The good news of the gospel is not that God just saves us from ourselves and from our problems and from our depression and from our sickness and from our sin. The good news of the gospel is that he saves us for eternity with him. That is the good news. And because he lives, we also live. Because he reigns, we get to reign with him. I love this, this passage. I think it's in First uh, Colossians 1, 27. It says that, you know, for those who, uh, who are, Actually, I'm going to read it if I can find it. For God wanted them to know the riches of glory of Christ um, that are for you and for the Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. What a beautiful passage. Another translation says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope for eternal life. That your life doesn't just end at your death. That is the amazing, you know, thing about grace. I, I, I've heard this thing about grace. 
it's not, they made it into an acronym. It says that grace is actually stands for God's riches at Christ's expense, right? All God has, all the inheritance, like, like the father and this, like, you know, the, the, the prodigal and the religious son, right? The father comes and says, not only do I want you back in my house, but I also have an inheritance for both of you again. And this is the amazing news of the gospel. It's not not only God is saving us from all these things, but he's saving us for something that's even greater, and that is eternity with him, an inheritance with him. Because he lives, we also get to live. Because he will be glorified, we get to share in that glory. What an amazing message. And I hope that you walk out of here not saying how great of a preacher I am, but I hope you walk out of here and say, what an amazing God that we have that provides all of that. Right? I hope you walk out of this place knowing the, the things that he's provided for us. This is the amazing thing about the gospel. Not that we have great chairs and great pastors and great leaders and, and all of that. The amazing thing of the gospel is that God saved every single one of us from our lasciviousness and from our religious spirit. And he saved us for himself. And now we get to share in his glory. While we didn't deserve him, while we're still, you know, wandering in our sin, he loved us. While we're still spitting in his face, he loved us. That is the amazing thing about the gospel. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to go back into that song, and I don't know which song you guys want to do, but, but I, I'm going to ask you this. Is it, take a moment. We're going to do fellowship right after this, but in this last prayer that we're going to do, would you start saying, God, I just want to exalt you? And if you need prayer, I'm going to be here with some leaders. You Feel free to come up to me. I, I'm more than willing to, to pray with you. Say, God, what an amazing thing this is. We have our grace. You gave up your life for ours. That in our sin you found us. In our religious spirit you, re- you found us. And God, don't allow us to go back to our old ways of doing things. Don't allow us to go back to our religion or going back to our sin. God, help us walk with you daily. And if you have not made Jesus the Savior, Savior and Lord of your life, would you make him tonight? If you have not asked the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you, would you ask the Holy Spirit to come in your life and guide you on this? Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.